Hey there, future fans! This week, we make Fifty Shades look normal, we love our enemies, and bad guys will find no safe harbor. This is the week of April 12th, 2019, and this is episode 130 of Future Flicks with Billiam. everyone welcome to the show this is episode 130 titled honey we shrunk the half demon we do have an interesting week we have a lot of crap coming out Uh, i mean a lot of crap and we also have some good looking movies and i say just good looking movies i don't think these are great the the best one the pick of the week looks okay and there, there are a couple others i may see but for the most part this week is just okay this is really the last sizable release week before we get to the week where we will have avengers endgame and i think i i do understand that just because we're going to have one of the biggest movies of the year if not the biggest movie of the year coming out in just two weeks so any film that releases now will only have two weeks of time to get much theater time at all because even if they stay in the theaters after avengers endgame comes out they are not going to do well they will really have to rely on the crowd of people that don't like comic book movies or maybe even get some business from those people who do want to see avengers endgame but don't want to deal with the crowd, so they're going to wait. To be fair, the biggest movie next week is quite different, so I think that it will be safe. But I also think it was never going to do really well. Well, let us get into the opening housekeeping, and then I will begin the show. So what is this? What are you listening to? That is a great, great question. You are listening to Future Flicks with Billiam. On this show... I do a few things. We always start out with uh, some general rambling, which you've already heard. Then we get into the news. That's any new news that has caught my eye since the previous episode. And we also go into the trailer trove. Those are any new trailers that have caught my eye since the last episode. Both of those segments have one thing in common and, well, quite a few things. They're all movies. I'm doing it. But the most important thing they have in common is the fact that it's only things I've noticed and I am human. So if I ever miss something, let me know and I will get on it for the next episode. After that, we take a break and then we come back and talk about any limited release movies that are coming out. Those are movies that are getting a limited release and do not look interesting enough to warrant uh, any attention given to it. We then go into one more break, and then we go into the wide releases and interesting indies, and that section is just as it sounds. Those are all the wide releases, whether I like them or not, and any indies that have caught my eye. Back in the day, I would pull really bad-looking movies from the limited section just to shit on them a bunch in the wide release section, but that kind of felt a little try-hardy, and uh, so now I'm no longer doing that. If an indie movie does look really bad, I'll say a couple words in the limited section, but I want to focus on the good. And if a wide release looks terrible, I take that as a little treat. That is for me. That is my time. And then I will take my time to sh** on that movie. But ladies and gentlemen, please keep something in mind that this show is all my opinion. That is why I talk about news, trailers, and every movie coming out. So even if you don't see eye to eye with me, even if you have different tastes than me, you can still find something to listen to because maybe one of the movies I want to shit on, you'd really like. Well, we wrap up the show with a question of the week and then I send you along your way to listen to the other great shows in the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. So how do you find this show? You have done a good job thus far, but you can also find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and any podcast app. 
And good news, if you use Spotify, the somewhat nerdy podcast network is now on Spotify. A snarf Chris pulled some magic. He pulled it right out of his ass, and here we are. I'm looking at myself right there. Hey, beautiful. So good news there. And how do you get in contact with me? Well, there are a few ways you can do that. You can start off by email. That's billiamreviews at gmail.com. You can also hit me up on Twitter or Instagram. Both of those, the handle is billiam, S-W-N. That's B-I-L-L-I-A-M-S-W-N. You can also comment on SoundCloud, comment on the Somewhat Nerdy Facebook page, comment on the Somewhat Nerdy website. However you do it, get in contact with me. Answer the question of the week, ask me a random question, give me a movie suggestion, ask my opinion on something, whatever. Just say hi. In recent months, we've had a few wimps from the Watch Your Mouth podcast come over and say hi, and that's greatly appreciated. And you know what? I lost my train of thought on the opening, housekeeping, so let's just, uh... Let's just stop here. I'll, I'll do the full housekeeping at the end of the episode. But let us step into our first segment, which, as always, is the news. This just in from Hollywood, the news. This first story comes to us from Buzz Sugar. Apparently, a prequel to Grease is in the works because people were asking for it. I, I, I don't know. I don't know why. John August, who is the screenwriter for Aladdin, the Aladdin movie coming out this year, is working on a screenplay for a movie that is supposed to be called Summer Loving, and it takes place during the love fling between Danny and Sandy that was popularized by the song Summer Nights. So the question is, how will it be told? Because they can do it a few ways. They can just tell, straight tell the story. Or they can tell the different versions of the story. Just because it seems like, if you, if you remember how the song went, there were different versions. There was Sandy's version where Danny was so nice and sweet. And Danny's version where it was hot and heavy. Of course, as we all know, Olivia Newton-John's character, Sandy, her version of events was probably right. As one of the points of the movie was that Danny was trying to save face in front of the T-Birds. But since it was the 70s, we couldn't have some story where he actually changed. She had to slut it up a bit. And then all was fine because he didn't have to be scared anymore. He was with a, a, a cool girl now. Either way, no release date for this yet. But um, stay tuned for that if it interests you at all. This next story comes to us from Hey You Guys, which I really hope is a reference to Goonies. Apparently Shazam is going to get a sequel because the movie has been doing really well. Also, we're getting more action out of the Black Adam movie. Black Adam, of course, one of Shazam's villains. And I believe the original plan was, and I hope it still is, that they're going to combine. Even though the DCEU is, is gone, I hope that they at least do this. That they tell Shazam, they tell Black Adam's story, and then they cross. This next story comes to us from Screen Daily. If, if you remember, a while back I had mentioned a movie, a biopic that was in the works about John DeLorean, the designer of The DeLorean, which is made famous by Back to the Future. Well, apparently George Clooney is set to direct this movie with the backing of MGM. Rumors are that Clooney may also be starring in the pick, but, but here's my question. How interesting could this movie possibly be? I mean, we have seen movies about people who have who have designed cars before, and they were interesting because of the, the process of building it and then testing it and crashes, and, and they probably hyped up that part to show more of that to give a little more action to it. But how much can you put into a movie about John DeLorean? I really want to know. I know some of you out there may be gearheads, so if you know something cool, let me know. Next up in the news, in a story from Uproxx, apparently J.J. Abrams sees Star Wars Episode Nine as a response to The Last Jedi and the entire franchise. Normally, this would be when I say, duh. Like, well, of course, it's the third movie in a series. Of course, it's going to be a response to everything that came before it. But the only reason... I'm not totally making fun of this story, is that it does bring up a good point. Not a horribly interesting breaking news point, but just something interesting to think about. Is that the first of the new trilogy we had J.J. Abrams? He then stepped away because apparently working with Disney is a little difficult, and a lot of Star Wars fans are ass. No one hates Star Wars more than Star Wars fans. I mean, you can have some old dickhead who's just like, I, I don't like Star Wars. I, I don't like that sci-fi fantasy stuff. I like stuff in the real world. And okay, yeah, whatever. They're one thing. But a Star Wars fan 
can destroy it. They can pull it apart and shit on every little piece. And I think that's a little worse. And in my experience, I have a lot of friends who are Star Wars fans. They are less willing to go into the movie hoping it will be fun. They have already put on their critical hat and are ready just to tear it limb from limb. And I can't do that. I mean, my, my wife and Snarf Chris and some others make fun of me because I don't consider myself a, a, a critic, even though I do review movies at times and I write book reviews. But I, I can't start a book or go into a movie with that mindset ready to shit on it. I have to go into it willing to enjoy it because if, if you don't, what's the point? This next story comes to us from Digital Spy. If you follow me on Twitter, you may have seen my response to this. Disney confirms the fate of Alien, the Alien franchise, the Kingsman franchise, and the Planet of the Apes franchise. And here's the news. They're all moving forward. But here's my question. Besides Kingsman, that we know is getting a sequel and a prequel, what's left to do? I mean, the Alien franchise, like Prometheus and Alien Covenant, were sh this new, this new direction they're going with the Alien franchise needs to end. Because even though they got some good people in them, it is crap. I like Michael Fassbender a lot. I will never watch those movies again. And Planet of the Apes, that got a really, okay, well, shitty ending, I think, compared to the whole series. But it's ended. It's done. Unless you're going to remake the original Planet of the Apes again. Because if you remember, the first Planet of the Apes movie... Uh, the, of the new trilogy is a prequel to the first movie. So unless they're going to remake the movie again, there's nothing left to do. And I think they should just walk away. I think they should walk away from Alien and Planet of the Apes. Just walk away from them. The new Alien movies are crap and Planet of the Apes is done. Leave it like that. Now this next story comes to us from Digital Spy. Apparently, the late actor Don Rickles, Mr. Sunshine himself, will have his voice in Toy Story 4. Apparently, Disney had already planned on having Don Rickles reprise his role as Mr. Potato Head, but unfortunately, the actor passed away before they could record any lines, so Disney got the permission of Don Rickles' family to use old recordings. And you know what? I like that. I mean, Mr. Potato Head was never a big character in, in the Toy Story series, but I'm glad that they don't just take him out. Let's, let's keep him in there and let's give him a, like a few lines and just pull some old lines you never used from, old, from the older movies. And I think Disney is going a far better direction with this than just replacing him. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the news. Once again, if I miss any story, just let me know. But for now, let us step into everyone's favorite segment, The Trailer Trove. Avast, and welcome to the Trailer Troll. All right, folks, if you if you didn't remember, if you missed it, last week I did a rushed episode for, for very good reason, but I didn't do a Trailer Trove, I didn't do news. So that's why some of the news from this episode was old, and that's why some of these trailers are going to be a little old, but let's start with the first one, which you have already seen. You have seen this, and if not... Stop right now and watch it. It's the trailer for Joker. This has an October 4th, 2019 release date. And this is that Joaquin Phoenix Joker movie that had been not talked about a lot until recently. And if, if you notice, there, ha there had been many stories coming out that we just knew there was a Joaquin Phoenix movie, that they were working on it, and then a couple pictures were coming out. But other than that, not a lot of news at all. Then suddenly, a lot more news. We got a first look at him, we got the poster, and then we got the trailer. And I'm of two minds on this, because I think it looks really good. It has a great cast. Joaquin Phoenix, Zazie Beetz, Robert De Niro, Brian Tyree Henry. And it also just looks good. But, but here's the thing. What kind of story are they going to tell? Unless they're keeping a brand new Batman under wraps, this isn't going to be a killing joke. And even then, it, it doesn't look like the story's going that way at all. It doesn't look familiar to that classic Joker story. And I'm not even sure if this origin story is based on anything because Joker famously has a very mysterious origin. Some people claim that yes, he does have an origin, but officially, I don't know what that is, just because a lot of his origins were alternate universe stories. So as a movie, this looks good, but as a story about one of the biggest villains in comic book history that everyone is familiar with, that part I'm uncertain. And also, it almost looks like they are, they are building him as a sympathetic character at times. 
because even the IMDb synopsis says a failed stand-up comedian is driven insane and becomes a psychopathic murderer. Okay, so here's the thing. The most the most agreed upon origin for the Joker and one of the ones that's the most canon is that he was a part of the Red Hood gang. And the reason, even though we know he was part of this gang, but we still don't know his name, is the fact that the members of the gang would switch between who portrayed the Red Hood or who would be the Red Hood in each robbery. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't one person was a leader they would always switch so it just so happened that when whoever the joker really is had the hood on when it was his turn that's when batman got to him knocked him into that vat of chemicals and he became the joker so even in the what i'm pretty sure is official canon story of the joker joker's origins we still don't know who he is and he's still not a sympathetic character and i can deal with a lot of stuff i can deal with in Spider-Man 2, how they made Dr. Octopus a sympathetic character. I liked that. That was really good. I could deal with Smallville making Lex Luthor a sympathetic character. I loved Smallville's Lex Luthor. I thought he was an amazing character. But the Joker, no, the Joker is a criminally insane psychopath. You can't f*** with the Joker like this. There's still some people wondering if he's not going to be the Joker, if it's just another a crazy person who becomes a, a Joker wannabe. Either way, this movie still looks good. And I think if we go into it, detaching ourselves from what we know of the Joker in the comic book, I think we'll be able to enjoy this more. And that's what I think I'll have to do. Next up in the trove, we have the new Avengers Endgame trailer. And God, yes, I want this movie right now. But here's my question with the new trailer. They had claimed that uh, everyone has been claiming that all of the trailers had only shown like the first quarter of the movie, that there's nothing past that. With this new trailer, is that still the same? Is the team approaching Thanos in the first quarter of the film? I'm not going to spend too much time on this on this trailer because you all should see it. If, if you are a fan of the Marvel movies, you have already seen the trailer. And if this one slipped past you, you're just going to watch it at the end. Or maybe you've already paused and you have seen it. Either way, this is going to be great. It looks amazing. Next up, we have a trailer for a Dave Bautista movie. This is a family comedy called My Spy. This is about a hardened CIA operative who finds himself at the mercy of a precious nine-year-old girl. Aww. He was sent undercover to surveil her family, but she catches him and blackmails him into teaching her how to be a spy. Uh, this has an interesting cast. Um, mainly Dave Bautista is a big name. We have Kristen Schaal and Ken Jeong. And if you're familiar with comedy movies, you know who they are. Uh, no one else really of note. But I'm just wondering if Dave Bautista just did this to have another job in between, in between his movies. Because he had come out recently and said that he doesn't want to be The Rock. He wants to do serious movies. He wants to, he wants to make great films. So he does My Spy, which kind of looks like an early rock movie, just because it has this family comedy element with this big bruiser going up, like, with a, with a kid co-star. But you know what? Maybe this movie just fit with his shooting schedule so well. He's like, hey, I can use a couple extra million. Let's just do this. Either way, it, it doesn't look bad. It looks very predictable though but that's not always a bad thing especially with a family comedy so if if you want to see a family comedy check this out this has a so far unknown release date just sometime this year next up we have a film called the dead don't die this is a comedy horror with a great cast it stars bill murray adam driver Chloe Sevigny, Tilda Swinton, Selena Gomez, Steve Buscemi, Tom Waits, Carol Kane, Rosie Perez, Danny Glover, and Iggy Pop. This is directed by Jim Jarmusch, who is one of those crazy indie directors who actually deserve to have their name in a trailer, like a new film from Jim Jarmusch. This guy actually deserves it because he has done some good movies. He's done Stranger Than Paradise, Patterson, Broken Flowers, Ghost Dog, Way of the Samurai. That movie was fantastic. But this film looks really funny and it looks like a really good indie comedy that doesn't seem too pretentious. It doesn't seem to take itself too seriously. It doesn't have its head up its own ass. And it's mainly deadpan comedy. Which, oh, deadpan, that works. Um, which is, I think, a great a great type of comedy for this, that it's not going to be a movie that reaches too far for the laugh. 
The film looks good. It comes out June 14th. Uh, next up, we have a new trailer for Detective Pikachu, and um, not much more to talk about. It still looks really funny. The Pokemon look great. I, I really love the look of this movie. And I think the reason I want to see this so bad is a mix of the fact that Pikachu is voiced by Ryan Reynolds, and that it looks really good that the Pokemon are obviously CG, it's obviously animated, but it has this oddly realistic quality to it, that when you see someone standing next to the Pokemon, it doesn't really stand out too much. Not like when you're watching Roger Rabbit going, well, oh shit, that's obviously a person in a cartoon. The suspension of disbelief for this one's going to be a little bit easier. Except for the fact that, you know, po Pokemon aren't real, but that's it, really. Alright folks, two more movies to talk about. Uh, next up, we have another Dave Bautista movie. This one is called Stuber. It comes out July 12th this year, and it's about a detective who recruits an Uber driver into it, an unexpected night of adventure. This stars Dave Bautista, Kumail Nanjiani, Karen Gillian, Na uh, Natalie Morales, Mira Sorvino, Betty Gilpin, and Iko Uweiss from The Raid. And this one, I think, looks a lot better than the other Dave Bautista comedy. And, and not just because of the kid, I think this one is a better idea. It's kind of been done before. We've seen movies like this where someone who's not a cop or an agent or something somehow gets brought along on a case. It's a familiar, uh, a familiar movie, though I think that The Spy, or My Spy, is a more familiar movie. I think we've seen that one a lot more. So I think that this one is a little more original. And I think Kumail Nanjiani is going to make a better co-star, a better person to bounce jokes off of than some sassy little kid. But that ju that's just me. Maybe you want to see both of these. Maybe you don't want to see any of them. Either way, like I said, July 12th. And finally in the trailer trove, we have something that I had been looking forward to until the trailer came out, and that is The Addams Family. This is an animated comedy based on, of course, The Addams Family. Comes out October 11th, 2019, and it has the voices of Charlize Theron, Chloe Grace Moretz, Oscar Isaac, Finn Wolfhard, Allison Janney, Nick Kroll, Bette Midler. And, uh, oh, Elsie Fisher as well. And I, I just don't think it looks that good. I don't like the character design. I think they messed with it too much trying to go for this super exaggerated style of Gomez, Fester, Pugsley, Grandmama, and Lurch being oversized. And not just fat, not a fat character, but you can tell that they were just designed to be bigger. And then with Wednesday and Morticia being these literal sticks. The voices, it's not just that the voices are way off, it's just that they're caricatures of a fictional character that we have seen done right twice. We have seen it done right in the original TV show. We have seen it done right in the movies from the 90s. So now we have this animated film that f with the character design that has these goofy, over-the-top animated voices. Well, the voices are animated, but you know, it's like they're trying too hard. And we have characters that should be familiar, but don't seem that familiar. Some of the jokes they go for in the trailer are throwbacks to jokes we've seen before in Adam's Family TV shows and movies, but it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like the Adam's Family. I hope it's just this first trailer, but so far it doesn't look that good. So far my recommendation will be to pass on this, but we will see as October approaches and more trailers come out. Well, my future fans, that is it for the trailer trove. Let us take our first break and then we will come back into the limited release section. Stay tuned. Are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture? Well, look no further. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the podcast for you. We cover nerd culture, news, new movie reviews, bad movie reviews, video games, comics, with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is a flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Find us on every podcast app or stream it on somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. And we're back. We are back with the limited releases. We have two movies I talked about last week. They're getting slightly wider releases. That is Teen Spirit and High Life. I don't really want to talk about them again. I don't. So just know that two movies I talked about last week getting slightly bigger releases. But the first movie, the first new movie that I'm going to talk about is a film called Long Day's Journey Into Night. And this trailer was confusing as and I copied and pasted everything that IMDb said about it. And I'm going to read it verbatim because I just don't know what else to say. It, it looks like it's trying way, way too hard to be an art house flick. So here we go. 
Bygone follows up his knockout debut, Kali'i Blues, with this noir-tinged stunner about a lost soul on a quest to find a missing woman from his past. Following leads across Guizhou, Guizhou? Some Chinese word I don't know how to say. Following leads across some province, he crosses paths with a series of colorful characters, among them a prickly hairdresser played by a Taiwanese superstar named Sylvia Chang. When the search leads him to a dingy movie theater, the film launches into an hour-long gravity-defying 3D sequence shot that plunges its protagonist and us into a labyrinthian cityscape. This is China's biggest art house hit of all time. The film took more than $40 million on its opening weekend and at the domestic box office. So there you go. If you want to see some weird as sh Chinese art house flick that apparently was a big hit, check this out. Next up, we have a movie called Her Smell. A self-destructive punk rocker struggles with sobriety while trying to recapture the creative inspiration that led her band to success. This stars Elizabeth Moss from The Handmaid's Tale, Cara Delevingne from Suicide Squad, Dan Stevens from Beauty and the Beast, Gail Rankin from Glow, Ashley Benson from Pretty Little Liars, and Dylan Galula from The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. So basically for this movie, it's like Teen Spirit and SLC Punk had a weird baby. And I was big into punk rock in high school, but have since kind of fallen out of that uh, out of that group and that crowd. I'll still go back to the old days and listen to them, some of the music I did back then, but it's in my past. And maybe that has something to do with why I look at this movie the way I do. It just looks, it looks old hat. It looks boring. We've seen this movie before. Let's move on. Next up, we have a film called Dogman. A timid dog groomer living in a poor suburb sells cocaine on the side and stays out of trouble, all the while trying to deal with his unstable and violent acquaintance who is a menace to the whole neighborhood. This is an Italian film, so if you like Italian cinema, check this out. And you know what? A, a quick note about this. I don't feel bad for this guy at all, because if he was just a timid dog groomer, that'd be one thing, but he sells cocaine on the side. He's like, oh, I'm trying to stay out of trouble. No, you're not trying to stay out of trouble. You sell cocaine, you dickhead. Like, if I started to sell cocaine and, I, and so, then trouble finds me, you shouldn't have any sympathy for me because I was selling cocaine. It's like, oh, poor drug dealer has a hard life. Next up, we have a film called Wild Nights with Emily. This is a dramatization of the little-known side of writer Emily Dickinson's life, in particular, her relationship with another woman. This stars Molly Shannon from Superstar, Amy Siemitz from Your Next, and Brett Gelman from The Other Guys. And next up, we have a film called William. Two doctors create a Neanderthal baby using ancient DNA from a Neanderthal bog body. William must learn to exist in a world where he is the ultimate outsider, the only Neanderthal on the planet besides Brock Lesnar. This is written and directed by Tim Disney, who's the nephew of Walt Disney. This stars Will Britton from Everybody Wants Some, Maria Dizia from 13 Reasons Why, Susan Park from Vice Principals, and Waleed Zwatir from Altered Carbon. And this movie pisses me off because they had a potential for a very interesting story. You know, this Jurassic Park sort of thing where they get ancient DNA and bring the and bring it back to life, but instead they're just going to tell tell the story of this f***ing kid who can't fit in. Of course you can't f***ing fit in. You have this Cro-Magnon brow. You look like you look like a caveman, but probably he'll find people who accept him for who he is. Oh. Now for that bullshit, let's move on to Mia and the White Lion. A young girl from London moves to Africa with her parents where she befriends a lion cub. When the lion grows, it's deemed too dangerous because it's a f***ing lion and the parents want to sell it. So Maria escapes with Charlie, the lion, in an attempt to stay together. This stars Melanie Laurent from Inglorious Bastards and Langley Kirkwood from Banshee. And the only way I'll watch this movie is if the lion eats the kid. Next up, we have a documentary called Satan and Adam. This is a documentary about the pairing of legendary one-man band Sterling, Mr. Satan, McGee, and harmonica master Adam Gusso. <laughs> I think it's funny. In the trailer, you have this motherfucker sitting there playing like three, four instruments at the same time. This other guy next to him just playing the harmonica. It's like, what do you do? Well, I play the guitar, I play the drums, I play all these different things. And what do you play? The harmonica. No, this looks skippable. Next up is a film called Crypto. Oh, and actually, no, quick, quick note about that. Any movie that has Mr. Satan in it and it's not a Dragon Ball Z reference, 
it. Just f*** it. Next up is a film called Crypto. A young agent is tasked with investigating a tangled web of corruption and fraud in New York. Uh, that's actually a very piss poor synopsis, but the movie looks like and I cannot be bothered to do a better one. This stars Bo Knapp from The Gift, Alexis Bledel from Gilmore Girls, Luke Hemsworth from Westworld, Kurt Russell from The Travels of Jamie McFeeters, and Jill Hennessy from Crossing Jordan. You know, I like Kurt Russell and all, but no, 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 no. And finally, in the limited section, we have a film called Sauvage. Leo is a 22-year-old who sells his body on the streets for a bit of cash. The men come and go, and he stays looking for love. This is a French movie, if you couldn't tell by that synopsis. And I bet you that the movie is more nuanced than that synopsis makes it seem. But it just sounds, from j just the synopsis, sounds like a bad idea. It's like, oh, I can't find love. Oh, what are you doing? Are you using a dating app? Are you going to bars? I'm a male prostitute. And, and selling his body for a bit of cash <laughs> sounds awful, too. It's like, oh, I need some pocket change. I saw this new pair of headphones that I want to get. Maybe some sex. Maybe I will sell my body. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the limited releases. Let us take a break and hear a word from our friends at the Nerds of the Squared Circle podcast. And we'll be right back with the wide releases and interesting indies. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. Hi, I'm Sam Jericho of SomewhatNerdy.com's Nerds of the Squared Circle. Join me. Snarf Chris and the dude with the headband. We talk about wrestling and more wrestling. Do you like wrestling? Yeah! Then you should listen to our podcast. Do you not like wrestling? You should still listen to our podcast. Someone to read a comms, Nerds of the Squared Circle. Subscribe to us on iTunes or your favorite podcast app today. Nerds of the Squared Circle on SomewhatNerdy.com. All right, we are back. And, you know, I just want to make a response to an episode of Somewhat Nerdy Radio where they were talking about the difference between classical scores of a movie and the soundtrack. And I know I, I get it. Most of that was just picking on danger. I get it. But I'm the movie guy. I have to take this seriously. So here we go. There is a difference, and really quick, here's why. Because if you look at certain movies, you will see two things released. The motion picture soundtrack, and then the classical score. The first time in my life that I ever noticed that was when Twister came out. And I noticed that there was the soundtrack with songs from Van Halen, Soul Asylum, Katie Lang, and then there was the classical score. The soundtrack is typically made up of songs that were are either in the movie, as in songs with words and stuff from actual bands that were in the movie or inspired by the movie. Like if you look at the soundtrack for the 90s Godzilla movie, the 1998 Godzilla movie, half of that shit wasn't in the movie. And the classical score is the movie's accompaniment that helps us feel feelings when the movie when the movie goes on. And technically it's a soundtrack because it goes along with the movie, but when we're talking about what's for sale, the soundtrack generally is songs from bands that go along with the theme of the movie or are inspired by the movie. And there we go. I just took all the fun out of your argument. You're welcome. Well, let's start the wide releases and interesting indies with a eh, looking movie. And the only reason I'm talking about it is that it is a Netflix movie. This is called The Perfect Date. To save up for college, Brooks Radigan... <laughs> stupid name. Okay, let's start again. To save up for college, Brooks Radigan creates an app where anyone can pay him to play the perfect stand-in boyfriend for any occasion. This stars Noah Centineo from The Fosters and Laura Marano from Lady Bird. This is just your, your classic, classic rom-com where we have this very basic formula. We have this guy who has his eye set on a very specific woman. This guy, Brooks, which on its own is a fine name, but Brooks Radigan just sounds stupid. But anyway, Brooks has his eye set on this striking woman, like the most beautiful girl in his school. I don't know if he's in school or, or if it's high school, college, whatever, but the most beautiful girl. And he just can't seem to talk to her because he's just a little awkward. Well, for some reason... He can then go on dates with all these other women pretending to be whoever they want him to be. For whatever reason, he starts making a bunch of cash because he has the belief that if he gets this awesome car, he'll get the girl. Like, I mean, how basic is this premise? How 80s rom-com 
is this premise. Along the way, he meets this girl through the app. She uses she uses his services and they start to hang out and actually fall for each other. And it's one of those situations where they become really close, but he doesn't. He just sees her as a friend and he has his eyes set on this other girl. And it's probably not until the end where he pisses off, pisses her off. And then he goes on the date with a great girl. But all he can think about is the is his goofy friend. And he's like, oh, I, it's actually you I'm in love with. Look, it's not that there's anything wrong with this movie. It's just been done a million times before. And the fact that he's making some app to help him in this in this endeavor doesn't make it different. Just because you put an app in a movie doesn't make it new and creative. But the only reason I'm not going to fully sh- on this movie is because it, it just looks cute and it's a familiar formula we've seen this movie before and if you're a fan of a movie like this then check it out as for score i have to be honest and say the perfect date gets a 5.5 out of 11. next up we have a film called girls of the sun a kurdish female battalion prepares to take back their town from extremists this stars golshafet farahani from pirates of the caribbean Dead Men Tell No Tales. And I'm pretty, in fact, I'm 100% sure I mispronounced that. This film is loosely based off real events because this battalion is about a, about a group of former sex slaves for a terrorist organization like ISIS or something who break free, get together, learn how to fight, and go and kill the people who used to, who have cap, who had captured them. And they're doing their thing. And there's also this this white reporter who has an eye patch who I'm pretty sure is supposed to be Marie Colvin. Marie Colvin was the topic of the movie A Private War starring Rosamund Pike and she was a real woman, a war correspondent who would go far into danger to get the true story and was killed in um, 2014, 2016, somewhere around there when she went into a war zone to get a story. So we have this movie Now we have this movie about a group of freedom fighters, former sex slaves who go into a area and then just decimate any of the insurgents there and who are being followed and watched basically by this this white female reporter with an eye patch. I'm pretty sure this movie is based off actual events, but they just either changed too much and didn't want to say anything, or maybe it's just a weird coincidence. Either way, this movie does look interesting, but it's not going to be an easy movie to find. If this sounds interesting to you, which it does to me, you're going to have to search for it because it's not going to be just available anywhere. Girls of the Sun gets a 7 out of 11. And the next film is called Master Z. Ipman Legacy. While keeping a low profile after his defeat from Ipman, Chuang Tin Chi gets in trouble after getting in a fight with a powerful foreigner. This stars Jin Shang from Ipman 3 and Pacific Rim Uprising, Michelle Yeoh from Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon, Tony Ja from Ong Bak, and Dave Batista from Guardians of the Galaxy. At first I thought this was just a going to be a Ipman ripoff movie, which there are a lot of them. But this one is based off a character from Ip Man 3, played by the same guy, and it's his story. I'm not sure if this is real or not, but basically they took someone from a very good kung fu movie, got some other people, and made made their own film, and it looks good. Who doesn't love them a good kung fu movie? This looks like one of them. I'm not actually sure if Donnie Yen is going to be in this. Donnie Yen, of course, the guy who plays Ip Man. But I know they're at least going to use his image in this. So this is really playing off the fact that this is a spinoff from Ip Man. And you know what? If you like Kung Fu movies, check this out. It looks solid. Master Z, Ip Man Legacy, gets a 7 out of 11. Next up, we have a film that I remember talking about not too long ago because a first trailer dropped. And now here it is. And that film is called Stockholm. Based on the absurd but true 1973 bank heist and hostage crisis in Stockholm that was documented in The New Yorker as the origins of Stockholm Syndrome. This stars Ethan Hawke from Training Day, Numi Rapace from Sherlock Holmes, A Game of Shadows, Mark Strong from Kingsman, The Secret Service, and Christopher Heyerdahl from Van Helsing, the TV series. And you know what? This does look entertaining. Uh, This isn't the biggest movie of the week, but it may be one of the better ones. Just the thing is that... It's really flying under the radar. I haven't seen mention of this anywhere outside of just the research I'm doing. 
I haven't seen a trailer for this outside of YouTube, and in, even in that case, I specifically searched for it for the show. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if this movie already had a deal with Netflix, with Hulu, or Amazon Prime, with one of these streaming services just to get out there quickly. This movie does look good, it has some good actors in it, it's a very interesting premise, but it also looks skippable. There's nothing about this. If you watch a trailer, it looks interesting, it looks funny, it looks engrossing, but it doesn't look good enough to make you go, yes, yes, I have to see this. This is the movie I must see. And you know, if you've listened to the show for a while, that there are certain things I say a lot, and I'm going to say one of those things again. This is one of those films that you 100% skip. You skip it in the theaters. You forget about it, and one day you come across it, and you watch it, and it looks good. And it probably is good. But the problem is it's not good enough to grab you and pull you into the theater now. It's not enough to grab your attention and hold your attention to remember to look for it when it comes out on Blu-ray, DVD, or streaming. That, coupled with the fact that I haven't seen this advertised much at all, actually, I haven't seen a single advertisement, like I said, outside of my purposeful searching, that makes me think that this already has plans to go to a streaming service. Of course, I could be wrong. This could just be a movie that the studio has no faith in, so they're just going to put it out right before... Avengers Endgame, like two weeks before, where it could get some money and then sink. So, long story short, this looks good but skippable. Stock home gets a 7.5 out of 11. Next up, we have a film called Mary Magdalene. This is the story of Mary Magdalene. That's right, and her time with Jesus. This stars Rooney Mara from Pan, Joaquin Phoenix from Gladiator, and Chiwetel Ejiofor from The Boy Who Harnessed the Wind. And if you haven't seen that movie yet, watch it. It's on Netflix and it is really good. All right. Once again, we have this movie that actually looks really good. It looks like it's well shot, really well acted. And from what I could tell from what I saw in the trailer, well written, this looks like it's going to be a really good movie, but 100% under the radar. Like I know, I get it. I get the fact that indie movies don't have a lot of money. That That's part of what makes them indie. Sometimes they're lucky to get the stars they do, and this has three big stars. Not like the biggest of the big, but some really respectable names. So who knows how much budget was left for advertising. This is a type of movie that comes out, no one knows it's coming out, but some people see it. Some people who are more notified, like you, my future fans, of movie releases, and then they something resonates, so they watch it. They like it, and then word spreads. Think about other really big indie movies and how at first there wasn't a lot of chatter about them. You may have heard talk from critics and cinephiles, but other than that, not much. And then all of a sudden people start seeing it and people start talking about it. This could be one of those movies, but it also has the unfortunate fact that it's a biblical story. So despite the fact that this looks good, that it looks well acted, well written, that it looks like it runs the gamut, the fact that it is a biblical story is going to also hinder it in the theaters. Unfortunately, not all atheists are like Penn Jillette. We have huge ass like Christopher Hitchens. So this movie has a lot going against it, but... You know what? Check out the trailer. If this looks like it's up your alley and either you believe in God or you're of another faith or an atheist and you just so happen to be able to enjoy stories from the Bible, then this could be for you. This is going right on my list of movies I really want to see, but not right now. One day. Mary Magdalene gets a 7.5 out of 11. Next up, folks, we have a movie called After. A young woman falls for a guy with a dark secret and the two embark on a rocky relationship. So Anne had to tell me about this because I knew nothing about this. I knew the movie was coming out, obviously, because I was going to do show notes. But she informed me that this is based off a Harry Styles fan fiction from Wattpad. And here's a creepy thing. This is why in the intro I said that it would make Fifty Shades look normal because here's the thing with Fifty Shades. They were both adults. When this fanfiction was written, One Direction, thus Harry Styles, was still underage. I just want to point out the hypocrisy of this, that if it was a girl group and they were like 16, 17, and a guy wrote a fanfiction about hooking up with one of them, there would just be an outcry. Like, oh my God, what a huge pervert. And in all honesty, 
And big shock, I know, I haven't read the book this is based off of. I have never read this fan fiction. But I just browsed, just for shiggles, browsed, browsed some reviews, and they are scathing. Apparently, even some fans of the Fifty Shades series was like, this is a sh poorly written sh show. But we're not talking about a book, are we? We're talking about a movie based on a book. And this movie looks so bad. Let's let's put on the back burner, let's ignore for the moment the fact that it's based off a creepy ass fan fiction. Let, let's just ignore that. Let's pretend it's a 100% original story with original characters that wasn't based on a member of an underage at the time boy band. Okay, are you ready? Are you with me? Are you in this mindset? It still looks like shit. It still looks really bad. It still looks like a basic skippable, unimpressive, unimaginative, poorly acted mess. Somehow they got Selma Blair, who's not a bad actress. I like Selma Blair. Maybe they threw money at her. Maybe they showered her in money going, hey, Selma Blair, you were the only famous person who could even remotely think about doing this. Maybe we'll toss millions of dollars at you and you will do this terrible movie. And she's like, that's a lot of money. Okay. To be fair, Anne just brought up that she was in Mom and Dad. And um, I told her that I would rather watch Mom and Dad like 10 times in a row. I would rather watch it back to back to back to back all day than watch after once. And now she's giving me crap for having watched Fifty Shades of Grey. I did it to review it. I, I will have you know. All right. Ignoring my wife for now, drinking my drink. Okay, here we go. After looks terrible. It is i don't know what else i can say like, like even in the best case scenario this is still bad like even looking at it putting all the creepy shit out of your mind it still looks bad why didn't this go in the limited release section because unfortunately it's not a limited release it may not be as big of a release as the next movies i'm going to talk about but it's still bigger than anything in the limited section this movie should be skipped by everyone. And if you know anyone who has seen it and who wanted to see it, not that they were forced to with their eyes taped open. If you know anyone who chose to watch this movie, you have the right to judge them. Just like if you know anyone who purposely saw the Fifty Shades movies for reasons other than reviewing them. If you know anyone who purposely saw the Fifty Shades movies, you can judge them too. But remember you get to judge those people a little less harshly than you would anyone who watched this on purpose. After gets a zero out of 11. Next up, we have a movie that I actually want to see. It's called Missing Link. Mr. Link recruits explorer Sir Lionel Frost to help him find his long lost relatives in the fabled Valley of Shangri-La. This features the voices of Zach Galifianakis, Hugh Jackman, Zoe Saldana, Timothy Oliphant, Emma Thompson, Stephen Fry, and Matt Lucas. So ladies and gentlemen, if you want to take your family, if you want to take your kids to see a movie this week, this is what you see. Missing Link is rated PG. The next movie I'm talking about, which may be kid-friendly, maybe is PG-13. And I know some of you out there are really strict about that. And you know what? I'm really not sure what, I'm going to, what I want to do with with my kids like Ann and I have talked about this because my parents were a little strict I they they let me watch some R movies when I was a kid but not a lot I really stayed in my age range uh Ann's mom a lot of horrors Michael Myers from a young age and she turned out great look at her she's wonderful I turned out questionable so we'll see which way, which way that goes for, for our children but for your kids maybe you already have a set thing you do I think that this is the more family-friendly option, not just because it's a animated film. That's not why. Just because I think the jokes are going to be a little cleaner. It is PG, so I think they're going to be going to be some sly adult theme jokes in there, like you do see in some, especially DreamWorks movies. Disney and Pixar do it sometimes too. You know, they'll they'll put little jokes in there that the kids will laugh at because there is something funny for a child, but the adult will go, "Oh, okay, I, I see what they're trying to do." But this film looks interesting. I do want to watch it because I think it looks cute. But as far as the animated movies are coming out this year, I would put this above Wonder Park, but below, but below Toy Story 4. But at the end of the day, this is a cute animated film. And what's not to like? I'm really struggling to say more about this because I've watched a trailer and I've laughed. I've laughed during the trailer. 
And it was an honest laugh. Not like, oh, that was stupid, making fun of it. It, it got honest laughs out of me. And it looks, it looks innocent. It looks like a sweet story. A story that a lot of people can relate to of wanting to belong, of wanting to find where you belong in the world, find your place. And unless you're one of Vince McMahon's kids, maybe your place in life has been questionable. Maybe you don't know what you want, what you've wanted to do since you were a little kid. So there's some part of us at some point in time that can relate to this story. And I think that's why it will do a respectable amount of money, but just not a lot because it's not a big animated film. It's not going to be like a Pixar movie. And it's also coming out under the shadow of Avengers Endgame. Whether you see it in theater, whether you see it at home, this looks like something that could be fun to watch. Missing Link gets a 7 out of 11. Next up, we have a film called Little. A woman is transformed into her younger self at a point in her life when the pressures of adulthood become too much to bear. This stars Issa Rae from Insecure, Regina Hall from Girls Trip, Marseille Martin from Blackish, and Justin Hartley from Smallville and This Is Us. All right, first I'm going to be honest. This is a straight-up 80s comedy plot. This is the kind of stuff that happens in movies like Freaky Friday and Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. This used to be a, a type of movie that was really popular. The most recent example I can think of was that skippable Kevin Spacey movie, Nine Lives. But other than that, we really saw a lot of these in the 80s and 90s. And now in 2019, we have a movie that's reminiscent of that. And I think it does it well. And I think it does it well for a couple reasons. Because it's not even trying to fake that it's alluding to these older movies, but it's also trying to be its own thing. And this is a movie whose main cast, save for Justin Hartley, is African-American. So this is a black comedy. So we're going to have a lot of jokes based on the, on stereotypes that it's okay to laugh at. Like There's that scene in the trailer where Issa Rae is, is having a fight with a little kid. And the kid used to be her boss. And then she's going to whoop her or something. And this this uh, guard, come, the security guard comes out and goes, we have a BMW here, a black mama whooping. And so those are the kind of jokes you can expect from this movie. And that right there is really going to be either the selling point or what convinces some people not to watch this. We have all of these jokes that are based on an agreed upon social norm. And by agreed upon social norm, I mean that this really isn't the social norm. Not really. It really depends on where you're from. Because out of all the black people I knew growing up and I've met in my adult life too, I've only known a handful that could have fit into any of these movie stereotypes. That being said, this is still what we're presented with. And not from some white writer who is trying to make a movie to, to appeal to the black audience. No, no, this is written and directed by women of color. And that there can sell it for other people. Because let's face it, it's, it's hard enough to be a minority, especially in Hollywood. Even though things are getting better, you've heard me talk about this on the show, things are getting better. Even then, it's hard to be a minority and a woman of that minority. So the fact that this movie is written by, directed by, and starring women of color, that could sell it. And for me, I think that's really cool, but I'm also focusing on the fact that this does look funny. So if you want to see this, you'll be watching a movie that has a familiar plot, but with modern day comedy, and you should know exactly what to expect before we go into this. Little gets a 7.5 out of 11. And finally, in the wide releases, we have Hellboy. And it's also the pick of the week. Hellboy is caught between the worlds of the supernatural and human and must face an ancient sorceress bent on revenge. This stars David Harbour from Stranger Things. And I just learned that I've been pronouncing Mila Jovovich's name wrong the whole time. Thanks to her website, it says how to pronounce her name, Jovovich. So let's move on. This also stars Mila Jovovich from The Fifth Element. Ian McShane from John Wick and the forthcoming Deadwood TV movie where he reprises his role as Swearingen. Daniel Day Kim from Lost. Sasha Lane from American Honey. Penelope Mitchell from Vampire Diaries. Thomas Hayden Church from Sideways. And Brian Gleason from Logan Lucky. I've been talking about this movie for a while, so I'll try to keep this short. I think it looks good, but a lot of people don't like the fact that this, that this, series that Hellboy was taken out of Guillermo del Toro's hands. And while I really liked what Guillermo del Toro did, I am willing to watch this movie that's another take on this character. But I don't think this movie is going to do well 
because of that, because there are people bitching about what David David Harbor looked like as Hellboy, going, oh, he, he looks so weird. He looks like f***ing Hellboy, for Christ's sake. And it's not like they change it up, just like the facial structure is a little different. Oh, no, that's terrible. I mean, I get it. I get it if you are upset that we're not going to get a Hellboy 3 from Guillermo del Toro, but don't be a bitch about it, all right? If you're being petty about this, you're being a bitch. This looks good. It looks entertaining. It looks it looks pleasing to the eyes. The CG looks good. The characters look good. It's very pretty, very dark at times, too, because it's Hellboy. But just like every other movie I've talked about this week that I did either at least semi-like, it looks 100% skippable. Well, I do want to see this, and if I have the opportunity to see it in theaters, I will. If I miss it, I'm not going to cry. This is a perfect example of one of those movies that you may skip in theaters, but instead wait to come out and then just buy it. And I say that because it looks solid enough that I think it's something you'll watch, enjoy, and eventually want to rewatch. So why not save just a little bit of money, skip in the theaters, and buy it instead of watching it in the theaters and then buying it. And if you're on the fence about it, wait for Redbox, wait for some streaming, other streaming rental service, or see if it comes on Netflix or Hulu, or wait for a friend to buy it and then borrow it. Either way, I think you should give Hellboy a chance. It looks, it looks good. It really does. It has a solid cast. And this is the, this is the movie that famously tried to cast a white guy as an Asian character. And then there's so much backlash that, that was Ed Scrine backed down. And then they gave the role to Daniel Day Kim. Am I bummed that we're not going to see Liz and Abe Sapien? I am. But the third Guillermo del Toro movie is not going to happen. You either have to give this one a chance or skip it entirely. Either way, you gotta get over it. Hellboy gets an 8 out of 11. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is it for the movies. Let us take our final break as we hear a word from our friends at the Watch Your Mouth podcast. We'll be right back with a new question of the week. Stay tuned. There are several ways to raise money for a good cause. Some do it by running marathons. Some host high-dollar dinners. And some just do it by clever interneting. We here at the Watch Your Mouth podcast employ a different approach. Wall-to-wall filthy f***ing language. Go to a grocery store, I'm like, I know exactly what I need. I get in there, I'm like, Yeah, the f*** did I even come here for? With our charity swear jar, every f***ed up utterance from our unfettered gobs is a dime in the right direction. The motherfucker's a mouth breather. Gaming, movies, life musings, it's all here. Served on a bed of f***s and garnished with a crown of Shut the f*** up! How the f*** did we get here? F*** all that, f***ing jelly bean! So if you want to hear us do good things with bad words, check out the Watch Your Mouth podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Facebook, or online at wympodcast.com. And remember, swearing is caring, so watch your mouth. And we're back. So we didn't get any answers for the question of the week. And so instead of just me giving you my answer and then moving on, I think I'll put this one on the back burner a bit. It could have been too close to the trope question and it's very similar to that. So I'll put that one on the back burner and let's start a new question of the week and then I'll send you along your way. So this question of the week was actually Anne's idea. Because I was having trouble thinking of one. I was going to skip it, thinking about skipping it this week. And then she brought up the story about the Grease prequel. So I have asked a question before about which movie that didn't get a sequel would you like to get a sequel? And I I may ask that again in a bit, just because it's a good question. And you can answer, give a different answer next time, you know? But for this question of the week, what movie do you wish had a prequel? And it can be any movie you want. And... You know, this can be retroactive. You, you, maybe you wished that they did a Citizen Kane prequel. I, I, I don't know why you'd want that. But it doesn't have to be plausible now. So once again, which movie do you wish had a prequel? Well, that is it for this episode of Future Flicks with Billiam, episode 130, titled Honey, We Shrunk the Half Demon. So let us wrap this all up with the housekeeping. You can find me on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play and any podcast app, as well as the Somewhat Nerdy website. That is somewhatnerdy.com. I'd really appreciate it if you take a few minutes out of your day to give the podcast a rating. I would love five stars, please. And then share the podcast. Tell a friend to spread the word. That is how we grow here. And then how do you reach me? 
That's a great question. You can reach me in a few ways. You can leave a comment for me on the Somewhat Nerdy website or Facebook page. Leave a comment on SoundCloud. You can hit me up on Twitter and Instagram at BilliamSWN. Email me at BilliamReviews at gmail.com. Please support us on Patreon. You can find the link in the show notes or on the Somewhat Nerdy website. Be sure to check out the Somewhat Nerdy Radio and Nerds of the Squared Circle podcasts also on the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Don't forget to support Watch Your Mouth Podcasts. They are back with a new semester. And do not forget to check out the Somewhat Nerdy website for all of our latest blogs and news. And finally, my dear friends, my dear, dear listeners, my future fans, please remember that no matter where life takes you, no matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy signing off. I'll see you in the future.